What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. And before we dive in, we'd like to say thank you to everyone, all of our patrons out in patron world and also all of our Bestseller Academy members who make this podcast happen. And if you have been enjoying this podcast and you're thinking, it's about time I, I may be like chucked a few quid in a few dollars to help to help pay for the cost of this please 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 pop over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and you will get tons and tons of goodies you'll get um, hundreds i almost i want to say hundreds of hours i think it's over 100 hours now of deep dives you'll also get the extended edition of these podcasts that we've been doing for the last few weeks as a little test to see if you like them and you will also get loads and loads of other goodies such as something a lot of people don't realize mark questions to put forward to people that we're going to be interviewing in the future oh, yeah. hear your name and ask some of your favorite authors some of those burning questions you always wanted so do make sure that you support this podcast help it keep on the road it's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and mark as as much as supporting this podcast is important supporting authors is important as well and i see for anyone who's watching this on youtube i see this rather lovely Freshly pressed white T-shirt. Look at that with this big medallion-shaped Woodville logo on it. Tell me Orsinge. all about that. Well, this is what this is what everyone in Paris is wearing. I'd, I'd like you to know. <laughs> I was say. Uh, this is um, yeah. This is this is the witches of Woodville. I'm selling T-shirts basically. I'm selling T-shirts and tote bags uh, inspired by our friend Jeevani Charika, who and I'll put a link to hers a thing in the uh, show notes as well she she's you know fantastic author author also writes as Rhoda Baxter but she she made the comment she's she's selling t-shirts with like writing slogans on them and she was saying I make more selling every one of these than I do from selling a copy of, of my book and uh, so I thought actually I've got this logo because I, I sketched this in a book uh, and then I gave it to uh, Andy Bowden who does the covers for my short stories and, and stuff and he he sketched this up and gave me and this this logo is on the website. It's you know it's on the stamp that I use. I thought this could look be really cool in a t shirt. So there's t shirts, there's hoodies, there's Ooh. all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, hoodies as well. Hoodies and, as well, just in time for winter. And tote bags. So I've got tote bags with little uh, phrases on, and the same logo. So that I've got a phrase there. Books ain't just for toffs, you know, which is a quote from Faye Bright in Babes in the Wood, the second book, which it. is my because, you know, uh, there's that um, books are my bag thing that yes. you might you see it in the UK. Well, yeah. it's I mean, it's to raise awareness of books, but it is very jolly hockey sticks, middle class books are my bag. Well, I've gone. <laughs> 
Bauxite just for toffs, you know. This is the working class version. You're going for mass market, Mark. <laughs> exactly, mate. Exactly. And also, this is one of my favourite. I got phrases from uh, the books as well. So, blimmin heck is uh, one of my favourite uh, shirts. I'll be wearing this at the Comic Con tomorrow. So, yeah, Love you know, it. Uh, it didn't really cost anything to set up. I'm using a company called T Mill. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they take a cut of every sale, quite a significant cut of every mm. sale. But, uh, you know, it's um, it's a nice little touch. And uh, I, I did a signing today at Waterstones in Ashford. And thank you to Waterstones in Ashford. Lovely staff. They're lovely people. And I wore this shirt shamelessly. And, I, you know, it went out on social media and immediately I've had a couple of people go, where can I get that shirt? It's like, step right this way. So you're going to get a ton more now, Mark. Now you're wearing it on the official bestseller experiment podcast episode on YouTube. I love it. I love it. This is, this is bonkers because, like, I think only a few weeks ago you were talking about setting up your kind of author store yeah. where people are putting orders in and you or your team of of El, magic elves in the background. No, it's me. It's right. just yeah, yeah, me. You. Which I think we, we let's be open about. It. I mean, you know, it's like it's like you know you, you you end up having to do everything. And how's that going? I'm curious as to how that's gone because um, it's been great. Was- it's been it's been great. Well, like at the time of recording, so we're recording this a bit ahead of time for various reasons. But at the time of recording, Babes in the Wood is is uh, a year old. So we're having a sale, half price sale on Babes in the mm. Wood, and uh, and I've done that on the bundles as well. You can buy all three books, and I sign and I dedicate them, and I put the library stamp, and uh, it's been great. I'm getting orders every day. Uh, so I've I'm I, and the thing is because I've been a bookseller. And I've worked in a sales department. I'm thinking, oh, I have a sale and it's Black Friday soon. And, I can, and, I, and I'm thinking, I'm actually quite good at this. I know how to do this. <laughs> Whereas, you know, Amazon marketing and, and Facebook ads, it's a whole new world. And it, it's always yeah. changing. And the rule, you know, the house always wins as well with that. Yes, it's, it's, totally. you know, I'm, you know, I kind of, th- I got into that. I thought, I, I don't enjoy this. Whereas this, shifting physical books and stuff. Yeah. I know how to do this, uh, so yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm having great. I fun think with it's it. great, cool. and I. So it's like you're you're our man out on the out in the world there, trying every single thing. I mean, it's funny because like, I'm a proper Del Boy. I got you are a Del Boy. It's brilliant. Full of t-shirts. <laughs> does that mean? Does that make me Rodney, Mark? That's what. Yeah, I'm you plunk up. But, <laughs> but the, brilliant, the brilliant, the brilliant thing is, is that that when you start to try, and this is really you know to inspire everyone out there who's who's maybe thinking, oh, things aren't getting going, or I, I, I'm waiting. To to get signed and I've got a book out there on indie. There's so much more that you can do. But for me, I mean, when I went through this process with Jen's book and it, I mean, we do it every Christmas still as well, but with that first launch of the book, we yeah. were literally shoving, we'd been out, we'd been like trying to find the perfect shape envelope that wasn't too big, that didn't trip us over the postal rate. Yeah. I, was in, I was installing international postal rate plugins for the website so it would automatically work out if you ordered it in England. It would, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like setting up an entire business. But it the is, thing yeah. is, is that once you start doing it, there's something really, I'm sure you're experiencing this, there's something really lovely about seeing a little order drop in for your book, not, oh. not for someone else's. It's dopamine. exciting. Talk isn't about it? dopamine. Dopamine hits. it is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, like great. No, bing. The, the setup have- was, was, was a bit of a. Actually, well, actually, Simon, who does my website, because uh, we, we're using WooCommerce because mm. it, it works well with my website. And and Queeve, Queeve McDonald started doing this. It made me, because Queeve, you know, uh, 
set up a, a store before me and I saw it and I asked him for advice and uh, and Elaine his his wife who, who who runs things as well and I thought actually that's a really good idea and um yeah but so we set up with WooCommerce and Simon who um who does uh, my website he he kind of did the back back-end technical stuff but yeah. I had to sit down and figure out the different bundles what I wanted to charge uh the weights of it I was weighing everything oh, all these different know, yeah. bundles and jiffy bags and then going on the Royal Mail site and and of course I'm launching this every other week here there's a Royal Mail postal strike as well <laughs> you know, great they're personally, personally apologizing to every order I'm really sorry but you're yeah yeah, yeah. so uh you know it's but it, once it's set up it's run and and you can do things like when I, I thought, oh, I want to have a sale. Is that a big faff? Couldn't have been easier. It's mm. so great. You can set the start and end dates for the sale and it takes care of everything for you. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to be doing a lot of this. I'm loving it. That's really good. We're going to talk about a little bit more in in the post-interview discussion about running businesses and creating things because it's mm. uh, it comes up in the interview today, which is fascinating. But I think it's, um, yeah, for people who are, who've never been gone down that route, I think for me what it does is it connects the author to their readers in a very, very unique way. But you do need to do something slightly different. You do need to, like the fact that you're kind of signing books and stamping them means that they that it's like a limited edition version of what they can just go out and buy in the store uh, or order on Amazon for maybe, you know, a, you know, different price. So I think... I think it's it's about thinking about what how you can make the offering or, or just pushing the fact that you're supporting the author directly yeah, that you, I mean, get, you get more of the proceeds, right? I'm already thinking ahead to when book four comes out, what can I offer that no one else can? Yeah. So if you pre-order it from me, you'll get a little extra something. Mm. You know, so th- I it's um yeah, it's it's definitely the way to go. Definitely very, go, very entrepreneurial, Mark. And I think as well, it, it really gives it gives people a bit of food for thought, which is why we're here, is to kind of like put those ideas out there. And uh, yeah. and you, you used to tell it how it is. I mean, if it was a complete failure, you'd be on there telling it's a complete nightmare. Yeah. But mm. um, just for people who are thinking of going into, I mean, without getting too technical, but people who are thinking of going into this and using something like WooCommerce, what WooCommerce is, is it's a plug-in. If you're using WordPress as your platform, which I think 65% of the world's websites yeah. are, you can get WooCommerce as a plugin. But you do need to be aware with WooCommerce that you know they give you the, the main plugin for free. But then if you need this little bit or that little bit or this little bit, it's like, oh, $49 a month or $59. <laughs> and before you know it, but actually, to be honest, you can get you can do a lot. You can actually do a ton without having to pay for the premium plugins. But if you want to do something a bit special, there's, that's how they do it. So you can end up, it can cost a lot down the road. But for I think authors, it's not it's not too much of a it's not too much of an expense. Well, it's, this is all done through my web guy, so it's he uh, he charged me about two hundred quid to set all of this up. Which yeah, there's a setting uh, up it, cost. It sure. paid for itself in the first few days. Mm. That's you know so, yeah. um, and he's gone in there and WooCommerce don't uh, they take a commission a tiny commission from each sale. But there's well, um, actually there's they don't know. No, it just comes. It comes. The commissions just from Stripe or PayPal or whoever you're yeah, using that's true. to process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But WooCommerce yeah, itself yeah. is just a standalone package, yeah. which they get you if you want something extra. Um, but we used, um, we used WooCommerce with Jen's book, so it was yeah, it was a, yeah. very good. But it's it works like a dream. It's great. It's, it's a yeah, doll. It's very yeah. very clever. Really, very really clever good. stuff. So if you have set your own shop up. If you've had massive success, maybe maybe Mark, there's someone out there. And this is the only way they sell their book. Mm. We want to hear from you. Um, maybe we'll get you on the podcast. Um, but if you've had successes or if you've had complete disasters, if you've done it and it hasn't worked for you, 
drop us a note, pop over to bestsellerexperiment.com, click on the contact us page and send us a message about how it worked for you. Because I think this is an area which we should definitely delve into. It's a whole yeah. new world as yeah. some Disney film once said, I think. Um, but let's dive in. Let's talk about uh, this incredible interview that we have today with A.G. Riddle. A.G. Riddle, or Jerry, as I call him. Uh, he spent 10 years starting internet companies before retiring retiring to pursue his true passion, which is writing fiction. And he's the boy has done well. His novels have sold over 4 million copies worldwide, been translated into 24 languages. They're being developed into feature films, including his hit debut, The Atlantis Gene. Uh, and um, yeah, we discuss all kinds of stuff. We discuss uh, becoming an author later in life, combining self-publishing and working with traditional publishers and his three key tips for writers. Fantastic. So let's dive in and listen to Mark chatting with the incredibly entrepreneurial A.G. Riddle. A.G. Riddle, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, sir? Doing well. How are you doing? Very, very good. Thank you. Now, very, very pleased to have you on the podcast, particularly with this your new novel, Lost in Time, which is extraordinary because time travel novels and a mystery. I mean, writing a time travel novel is difficult. Writing a mystery is difficult. You've decided for some insane reason to bundle the two together. Uh, why did you do that? And did it make your brain implode? Uh, yes, it did make my brain implode <laughs> on several occasions. And um, I hope it doesn't make readers' brains implode. It, it may. <laughs> but I mean, I think I did it to really challenge myself and to, you know, try something new. I mean, a lot of my past novels have been it's sort of blending genres and combining um different ideas. And I think that, you know, there are plenty of readers who don't enjoy it. Um, but the ones that do really, really enjoy it. And I'm one of those readers that loves something that that is a little different. So this is a murder mystery that has time travel and, and it's sort of a coming of age story too. So um that that's what got me sort of interested in writing it. Is that where I'm going to ask the question I swear I would never ask, which is, is that where you get your ideas from? Is it, is this, is it very much an X plus Y equals Z kind of uh, combination for you? Is that what kind of fires you up? Well, I think so. I mean, it, like early in my career, I think part of what I got into is the science and history or like this big idea that I wanted to explore. And I think um, – as I've written more, I've gotten more into characters that might intrigue me, and but I'm still really a huge geek. And so technology ideas, I mean, the idea behind Lost in Time was really about this machine that could send prisoners, you know, convicted, you know, um, murderers and genocidal dictators and serial killers and uh, the worst of humanity back in time. Like, what if you had a machine where you could just get rid of all these people that I think the entire world would agree that we just don't don't want on earth, you know, that, that are typically sent to prison for life. And so I was like, you know, what what would the implications of that be and where might that lead? But yeah. Fantastic. Great high concept stuff. Now, what's fascinating to me about Lost in Time is you've been a very successful author, mostly self-publishing. I think Departure was published yeah. by Harper Voyager. But Lost in Time, you're being published by Head of Zeus. Talk about that switch from indie to traditional. Uh, have there been challenges with that or or has it been nice to sort of relinquish some of that responsibility? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, 
I would say that the transition hasn't been as sharp for me because Head of Zeus is a publisher I've worked with essentially since the beginning of my career, 2014. Uh, first published in 2013. And so they've been publishing me in print in the UK and Commonwealth for for that period of time. And, and so they're really just taking over the ebook piece. And I've always been traditionally published in audio and then traditionally published in in other languages. So you know, just gotten to a point where I really want to focus on writing. And I mean, that's what I was looking for is is to give them a little more responsibility, a little more of the revenue that's coming in and, you know, to focus on writing. I think, I think it's for me a bit of reflecting on what I think I'm good at and what I really want to do every day with, you know, there's only so many hours I can write in a day that, that are good. You know, you can keep going, but I think it's not a great idea, but um, there's a lot of, of differences in self-publishing and traditional publishing. And I think, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to sort of reflect and say, you know, what do I want out of this and what is the right fit? Because I think the industry is always shifting. I mean, it's this idea of this is what's right for me for the rest of my life, I think, no longer really exists. It's like, what is right right now? For me, for right now, I think it's been a good fit and it's been a great experience. I mean, I, I like the head of Zeus, the people who work there, and I like the work they do, and it's been good. That's fascinating. So from the very start, you're kind of working as a hybrid author. So with with Head of, Head of Zeus and your first novel, Atlantis Gene, which we'll, we'll go back and talk to about how that came about in, in more detail in a second. So were you actively going out and approaching publishers and saying, hey, I've, had, I've got this book, I've got the US rights, would you be interested in, you know, UK uh, Commonwealth rights? Or did they approach you? How did that, how did that come about? It's a good question. My so I've never approached a publisher. I published, I self-published the book, uh, mostly an ebook in the US in March of 2013. And I got an agent um in Asia shortly after. And then he introduced me to an agent in New York that did Europe. Um and the agents sort of found foreign publishers that were willing to publish my work and and things sort of went from there. I mean, Head of Zeus was one of the early publishers that, you know, liked the books and and published them and, and did a great job. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, look, let's, let's go back to the Atlantis gene because this is where it all really started for you. Uh, you were... Um, you, were, you had a successful internet company, very much a kind of self-made man, and then you're sitting down to write, which, as we've discovered over many years of this podcast, writing is largely about failing. It's about sort of getting it wrong, getting it wrong, a little less wrong, and, and you know, people telling you this doesn't work, go back and do it again. How did you, how did you cope with that? How was that experience for you? Well, I got it wrong a lot, actually. So, <laughs> as you said, I, I started an internet company in college, and I did that for 10 years and and I I learned a lot from it. I mean, I learned a lot about myself, I learned a lot about business and um I I'd, I'd been somewhat I would call myself somewhat successful um successful enough to take a little time off and try to figure out what I really wanted to do. And you know, the parts of my career that I liked were creating something. I mean, sitting down writing code and um Running the business was not something that I particularly enjoyed. I also didn't think I was particularly good at it. 
And so I, you know, I was kind of looking for a career where I could just focus on the creative parts of, of what I was doing. And what I really loved was reading science fiction after work every day. I mean, I'd come home from work and read. And and I thought, gosh, you know, if I could, if I could write, you know, focus on storytelling, that's something that that I particularly enjoy. So so I took, you know, I took a lot of time to write that first novel. I mean, it took me two and a half years to write it. And and it was fairly arduous. I mean, the first stuff I wrote, well, I thought was just terrible. I mean, I read it. I just thought no, <laughs> nobody's ever going to want to consume this in any format. And and I just kept at it. I mean, I had the luxury of time. And I, I do think if you want to write, time time is the is the greatest input you can put into it. And and I think reflecting on what you're writing and figuring out your strengths and your limitations are really important things, but I put a lot of time into the first novel and it took off and I was really a little surprised and very thankful for it. Let's, let's talk about that time because if you're in a situation where you've got the day to yourself, how, how will you break it? Yeah. And you, you spoke earlier. I think it's very interesting where you said, yes, you could write all day, but after a certain point, it stops being good. So are you a, an early morning writer? Do you write in the evenings? How, how are you breaking up your day? I, t- I typically write in the morning. I find that, you know, th- those are my best hours. I have the most ideas then. The um, the prose is the best then. And then in the afternoon, I typically will, you know, edit or return emails or do, you know, whatever needs doing and then sort of take care of things around the house. That's my schedule. And on a slightly more esoteric level, the, the time to sort of reflect on your writing and think about it. What were you doing in those two and a half years? How many drafts were you writing? Were you getting feedback from people? Yeah, I gosh, I wish I knew how many drafts I wrote. I mean, I, I must have <laughs> written that first book 20 times. And a lot of it was, you know, I had the story. I, I knew the story that I wanted to tell. I had it sort of mapped out. And, um, and then I think, you know, it's like at least – for me, I thought it didn't match the quality of the story. So I was like, you know, I've got to get better at telling this story. And um, so for me, it was a lot sort of like a choose your own adventure. It's like, all right, the dialogue isn't great. Let me go get a book on dialogue or let me sort of look look at books or TV shows that I think are really good at dialogue. Why are they good at dialogue? Like, Why why do I want to hear the next, per- next thing that this person has to say? Um, but I think that I think it took a lot of time because – for me, it was a learning experience. It was like going back to college or something. But I didn't let anyone read it. I, I let my wife read it finally. And um, yeah, <laughs> that feels like um, a very methodical approach. We, I, you know, okay, let's focus on the dialogue. Let's focus on the prose. Let's focus. Is that who you are? Are you very much a methodical person? You're sort of taking stuff apart, figuring how it works, then putting it back together again. I was then. I don't know. I mean, now I think I'm. Uh, maybe a little more focusing on my passions and what what I want to work on. And I, I think to a certain extent uh, on a lot of those things, dialogue and pacing, I've, I've probably gotten as good as I'm going to get. Like, I don't I don't know that I'm going to get a lot better, but I, I think that in terms of figuring out the stories that I really want to tell, I mean, th- that's where I sort of put the work in. And because I, I do think that your passion comes through in the novel, like even if you're not the the greatest storyteller, if you, if you're really into something and it's something you love, I do think that readers can sense authenticity coming through. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. Now, the, the Atlantis gene, as you say, what did really, really well and inspired the Atlantis Plague, the Atlantis World. Had you planned out further books in this series or did it sort of catch you on the hop? Was it was there some kind of game plan about how, how the career was going to play out? I don't know that my game plan was very deep. I mean, it was really just, I mean, I had the trilogy planned out. I had, uh-huh. I'd hoped to write a trilogy. The story, I, I think, supported three books, uh, three major acts. And um, and yeah, I, my plan was really to publish that first book. I, I had a little bit written on the second one when it came out, you know, rough draft, but um, my plan was really see what the world thinks of this first book. This is something I should be doing and just kind of go from there. <laughs> and here we are. I mean, you've, you've, you've had this incredible career and it's fantastic to hear this, this, this hybrid careers, international career as well. Uh, and I saw that you have tips for writers starting out. And this, this fascinates me. And there are three, three key points here. Defining success invest in yourself, invest in your work. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So defining success is, is an important one. What, what for you was, was success? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer that defining success is probably the most, is the foundation of your career. And I, I think that if you let someone else define success for you, it's going to be pretty agonizing. I mean, for, for others, for any given person, success might mean paying your mortgage or, you know, putting your kids through college or winning a literary award or, or telling the story that you want to tell or, or being traditionally published or, or being self-published and, you know, having complete control. I think that um, where you get jammed up is is sort of comparing your career to what someone else thinks, all right, this is success. And, and I think that once you define success, you don't have to stick to it. Like success in... 2014 could look like one thing and success in 2022 could look very different. And, um, and I think it's incumbent upon all of us to sort of reflect and say, you know, what, what is success? What do I want out of this? Um, and, and yeah, I think that's important. And then I think investing in yourself, I think you've got to, if you want to do this and you know what success is, you've got to, you got to figure out how to get yourself to that point. And it might mean classes. It might mean, hiring cover artists or experts or editors or book coaches or whatever it means. Right. Like, I think that's, um, I think that's important. And I think in the environment we're in, you've got to have a really polished product. I think you've got to invest in it. You need professional cover, you need a professional edit. And um, I think that readers in, in, you know, 10 years ago were willing to perhaps overlook a lot of things that they want today because there's a lot of books out there and they they are looking for quality for their time and money Mm, absolutely atlantis gene came along in a time of your life like you say you 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 were looking for a change had you always written as a child or, or was this something that was new to you was it was it something that came to you later in life it was totally new to me. I mean, as a growing up, I never thought about becoming a, an author. I mean, it was never even in the realm of possibility. I mean, I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. My grandfather owned a lumber company. My dad owned this industrial sign company. And and that's sort of, I figured I would go into one of those businesses. Um, and, you know, went to college and the internet was really taking off. And I mean, I ended up getting in the, the internet industry, obviously. But um yeah, it's something I sort of came to it from a love of books and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And was there 
Were there any doubts? Because as I say, this is this you had this wonderful methodical approach to it, but writing is such a kind of nebulous thing, such a personal thing. Uh, in that you know you're writing something, you're putting your heart and soul into it, and you're putting your head over the parapet, and you get reviews and what have you. Were there any doubts that you were you were doing the right thing? And if so, how did you how did you overcome them? I think there was no end to the doubts. I mean, it was a doubt train every every day of the week when I was writing that first novel. I mean, the, the first stuff I wrote, I thought, God, this is terrible. Like, this is never going to work. Um, <laughs> if it doesn't get better, I'm going to give up. Um, and I I think that's very common. Um, and I think for me, I, the advantage I had is that, you know, internet startups, the sort of mentality you have is that, you know, you you create a base product and you iterate from there and you try to get better. And at some point, if you think you're not getting better, you know, why are you not getting better? It's sort of this, I think that my perspective helped me a lot having a perspective of, you know, you create something, you reflect on it, you study it, and you look at all the data that you have and you try to get better. And it, I think that, I think that helped me a great deal. And um, I think to some extent when you're, when you're early in your career, ignorance is bliss. Like you don't see all your problems, but you are, there is some magic associated with writing something and creating something. And um I think, you know, one of the the big moments for me in my career is I went back and read something that I thought was terrible. I thought, you know, that's actually pretty good. I mean, it's better than I thought it was. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not terrible. Like maybe, maybe I can do this. Um, but but I think releasing the book and and hearing the reader response is what really has been the wind at my back. And um, you know, I, can, I continue to study the negative feedback, but I think I, I think earlier in your career. I'm a big believer that you need some degree of success early in your career. It's a vitamin that you have to take. You mentioned their feedback. Uh, now, you know, if you're working on a, say, uh, internet product or an app or it's like washing powder or whatever, you know, people will give you feedback and you, you can go back and make improvements. And uh, But when you're getting feedback from readers and, and you're taking that moving forward, is is that something you've ported over from from your business life in in engaging with that feedback? Because I know a lot of authors simply won't read the reviews, and I can totally understand why. But is that something that you 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 work with? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, I do. One of the things I learned is that I mean, in the internet startup life, like you know, we were used to launching something that would have ten to a hundred thousand users within a month or two months, and um, and you get an immense amount of feedback and a lot of it's quantitative. I mean, you see, all right, we had this many people land on this page and this many people click this and that, and, you know, it's sort of, it's data driven. And I think that to a certain extent, when you're working on a team, you're, you're a bit removed from it. It doesn't really hit you in the gut when, you know, if somebody doesn't like what you've created and you sit in a conference room and you say, all right. What have we learned? What do we need to do? And how do we get there? I think a book is the thing I learned is a book is fundamentally different. I mean, if you if you've done it right and you've invested some piece of yourself in it, it does hurt. I mean, I think it hurts and it helps. Like readers saw things early in my work that I never would have seen, that I never would have realized. And it's helped me immensely. It's very painful at times to sort of look that in the face, but but I think it helps. And I think the key is sort of knowing where you are and, and realizing that this is going to hurt. Like if you haven't, if you haven't invested in the book, it's probably not going to 
be this big breakout success anyways. It doesn't matter. But but if you have invested in the book, um, when people criticize it, it does hurt. And I think they're really criticizing you and, you know, your abilities and all that. But I think, I mean, I got to a point where I had my wife start to read the reviews and say, and I told her, I was like, I need, I need some feedback at this point in my career. I need you to filter this and just, (laughs) you know, use uh, the kid gloves and tell me what I need to do. Um, And, and I think that's helpful. So what I would say to writers is figure out where you are and, and what level of feedback you can handle. And um, if you can't handle it, don't read it. If you can, I can help you a lot. That's that's really interesting because your kind of your wife is acting like a market research company, essentially giving you you know the 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 headline points, the stuff that you can actually work with. Yeah, the, a filter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jerry, what's coming next from you? We have got Lost in Time. Uh, what's coming after that? So the next book, which I actually wrote before Lost in Time, is called Quantum Radio. And it's a um, it's a science fiction thriller. It's another techno thriller. It's about a quantum physicist who works at CERN, and um, he developed an algorithm because he thinks that there is a pattern in the data being generated by the collisions um, in the Large Hadron Collider. And so um, the story sort of starts when he finds this collision, and he doesn't know what this pattern is. I mean, he thinks it's a message, but he doesn't know you know, whether it's a message from the future or from the past or from some alien civilization uh, across the galaxy. So um, what he discovers additionally is that someone else is looking for this message and that it potentially could change everything we know about, you know, human civilization in the past. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Um, A.G. Riddle, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been absolutely fascinating and hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you for having me. So, Mark, we started this podcast, didn't we, talking about your business, your new book business that you're running, your merch business. And here we have a brilliant example from A.G. Riddle of somewhere, someone who's gone through a different process, started out as an entrepreneur, focused for 10 years, ran a business, and then decided, actually, my passion, my passion is to write. And then coming to this place in his life where he said, I just want to be creating. I don't want to be running a business. I don't want to be doing all these ins and outs. And this is the classic challenge isn't it it's the classic challenge there's a huge irony here as well in that he's he started starts out as a hugely successful independent author and then decides that he wants the publisher to take care of all all that kind of side of things whereas i'm the traditionally published author who's now basically running a business because i don't want the publisher to take you know i I want to do some of my own stuff so it's a weird weird crossover but this is it there's no one way of doing this you know there's no you know there's we're all experimenting evolving and trying trying new things so um yeah it's uh it's i quite like this side of stuff like i said i i've got i've sort of got a knack for it i enjoy it and um whereas the facebook ads and the amazon ad side of it i i've never really enjoyed at all uh so yeah you've got to find the things that that bring you joy i guess and and i you know i do love you know the number one thing i do every day and we'll talk about uh, jerry's kind of daily schedule is the first thing i do is i write mm. you know that is the, the number one passion but um doing this kind of stuff as well and signings and events and talks and podcasts and all that kind of stuff that's uh 
that for me is all part of the fun of the fair. Yeah, it's the wind in your sail in some ways, isn't it? Where you get mm. to actually, you know, meet people, meet you, meet yeah. your readers, create things. I mean, this, mm. you know, when when I was looking at looking at my workload yesterday, thinking like at this time of year, uh, combined with the fact that I had that big birthday, you know, last week, it's it's uh, it was a moment of reflection where I thought, blimey, I you know, you get to a you get to an um, another birthday and you think. I'm still, my, my workload is just increasing. And you kind yeah. of step back and you think, at what point will this slow down? At what point will I be able to create all week? You know, my dream, Mark, is to be able to wake up on Monday morning and go, what shall I create today? And then, <laughs> and then I create something and I, and I press a button and it magically goes off to the magic elves who magically do something with it online uh, that, that then can like, people can then engage with it in some, in some mm. way. Um, and I think it's an interesting one. And I think actually, I think where Jerry's coming from, obviously he, he focused for 10 years on this business of helping other people have a successful business. Like, and it was obviously around the dot-com era, which is, which is where I kind of grew up as well. Um, but I've been doing this for 26 years. I realized I've been running my own businesses and still trying to work it all out in terms of the, the bit where, and this is the key thing, the bit where it becomes successful and you and and you're not very good at delegating <laughs> so for example for example take your bookstore i mean what if let's just say brilliant problem to have what if you started getting like a thousand orders a day i mean mm. you physically couldn't you'd you'd not be doing anything else other than stuffing no. envelopes and and hiring a van to take them down to the post office but it, it but it's 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 these things as you start a business it's like how do you put things in place to yeah, then get I mean, help that's what children are for, you know. Exploit, <laughs> exactly. Exploit Pay their way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's what now, we did. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there are solutions. You know, I know that uh, Queeve, we're talking about Queeve store. Um, someone else does that for Queeve. I think Queeve is such a level above me in terms of success and sales in that he has got someone to do the postage and packing for him. And, you know, he's they're, they're taking care of that side of it for him. So and it's also yeah. interesting with Queeve as an example, because we know, I mean, Queeve's in the, for anyone who's, who hasn't heard the interview, we've got a great interview with Queeve um, on, on the uh, podcast, but Queeve is also part of the um, BXP team, which is our kind of exclusive uh, group of, of authors. Uh, you get to be a part of if you join the Academy. Um, but Queeve has sold, well over half a million, if not a lot more now, books. Mm. I think the last time I looked. So this is an author who's incredibly successful in terms of sales, but also still looking at this kind of venture of running his own his yeah. own business. And and so I think that starts to it, you start to ask yourself. Well, I mean, you take it to the extreme. Brandon Sanderson. I mean, here's mm. a guy who's yeah. multi multi million, and now he's just doing. You know, I'm doing this special edition um, yeah. on Kickstarter. And earning more money from that than he's probably ever earned on anything he's ever done yeah. in the past. So I love it. I think bring it on. Let's break the models. Let's try mm. things out. Let's see what works. Um, but it, but you know what what um, Jerry was talking about on the interview was he had reached. He recognised in himself that he didn't want to run a business. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. that's the really important question here for everyone. I think it goes back to as well this idea of indie versus traditional author you know do you run do you, do you promote your own books or do you push 
to be traditionally published. So you're leaving everything in quotes. It's never everything. So you have to do a lot yourself now, even if you're traditionally yes. published, as yeah. you well know, Mark, oh, yeah. um, or hybrid <laughs> or hybrid or somewhere in the middle. And I think that in some ways you only know for certain until you try it. Right. Yeah, yeah only for and it's, until you give it it's always changing and evolving, and and I think this is something we're going to talk about in the in the sort of extended edition. This this idea of success evolves. It's not the same thing today that it will be in five years. You're gonna you're gonna change and want to do different things. I mean, I think ultimately, I would love to do nothing more than just write. Right. Yeah. But That's the I, dream, isn't it? Yeah, but I in the meantime. To achieve that goal, I need to hustle. I need to sell. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I need to sell more books. Yeah, you know, and I can't sit on my hands and expect my publisher to do all the work or booksellers to do all the work. I've got to be my best. I've got to be my top salesman of the month. That's what I've got the, in that Glen Gary Glen Ross way. If I'm not the top salesman of the month, I get fired. You know, so uh, yeah, I've got to keep banging that drum until you know you get authors who get some kind of momentum and the books start selling themselves, which is great, you know, but mm. that's, that is the top 1% that, that gets that. The rest of us have got to hustle. Yeah. It's a publisher's dream to have someone like you though, who's out there actually, you know, I mean, ironically, they'll probably see all the sales. And if your little name is like, you know, number one, and then you've got all the other bigger stores <laughs> below you, they'd be like, blimey. What, what happened then, of course, Marcus? I'd be saying, do you fancy uh, adding a new section for some of our other authors, Mark? And next thing you know, you've got like Mark, Mark Stay's version of Waterstones happening. But let's talk a bit about schedules as well, because one of the things I found fascinating about um, Jerry's discussion around, I mean, just everything about how he spoke, actually, it's like he's, he's yeah. I, I can really understand coming from that tech entrepreneurial background, which is what I have. I can really understand the methodical way in which he like mm-hmm. looks at things, analyzes things, decides on schedules. A lot of people don't do that. Um, but I like the fact that he he recognizes that mornings are his best hours and then afternoons when he does editing and email. Now, how many people actually are able to like wait until the afternoon to check their email? Like the most people, the first thing they do, they wake up and it's Flick open email. Oh God, here's my day's problems right in front of me. And yeah. I think it's really interesting that he 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 segments his day. But we were talking about this on Monday in the podcast about about scheduling, and I was saying to everyone like, think about doing a time energy study because a lot of people lose their their mojo when it comes to the afternoon, which is when you should be doing more not mundane tasks like going through email and things like that. But um, I I'm a big advocate for for saying bank your writing first thing in the morning. Yeah, me too. Me too. And listen, I know, listeners, I know there are going to be people, because every time we, we say this, we get feedback from people going, but I'm an, I'm a night owl. I'm an yeah. afternoon person. That's fine. Whatever works for you, you know, but I just um, speak from my own personal experience, 7.30 to 9.30 in the morning is project Sacred a, writing, writing time. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, the door is yeah. closed, no emails, no anything. Uh, and you know, I get I get the biggest chunk of writing done. Then, I mean, just this week, so I had that. Then it was bin days and recycling. So I put out the bins and recycling and did a bit of washing up. And then I come back in, I had a script meeting with a co-writer on a screenplay that we're working on. And then we had some notes. And then I had an hour. And I thought, actually, I'm going to just write in that hour. And I managed to get four or five pages of script writing done, which is actually quite a, that's a good day's mm, work. Chunk. You know, and then the afternoon 
was just, uh, you know, as you say, it's all the admin stuff. It was, well, it was podcast prep for our Wednesday recording. It was emails. It was all the little things. Uh, it was also, um, uh, I had to do, uh, I, I launched a comic book. You know, I had this comic mm. book that we're giving away. So I had to do, because that has to go on, not on one, but two websites. It has to go on book funnels so I can download it. I have to test that. I have to send a uh, a, a mail uh, out to my newsletter. I have to test that and write that as well. Yeah. You know, so that's uh, an hour and a half maybe. Mm. And then then it's it's the emails. And it's, you know, I emails are such a time suck. They are, it's one of those things where I turn, and I, I know this from when I worked at Orion, you know, I'd have a report to do or something. You'd see emails pinging up, ping, 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 ping. And every time you glance up, you lose so many minutes of concentration, don't you? You know, it really does. Oh, I know. So yeah, I end up turning those off and ignoring them, but then you, you attack them all at once, you know, and then you get them out of the way. And it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm an Apple geek and I've got, you know, uh, Apple Mail, and it's only now that they've just introduced a thing where it says uh, you can ignore this email till later. You can get a reminder about this email in an hour or tonight or tomorrow, mm -hmm. and it's such a great little feature because I think, great, I'm going to set a reminder for that, and I don't feel guilty about ignoring it until that later time. Yeah. Oh, Mark, I tell you, email. I uh, <laughs> I've been I've been doing a two year project on email. And um, in the kind of spirit of, you know, analyzing and, 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 and the 200 word challenge, I kind of turned that into a game for me with email as well. My goodness me. I, if I had the time to create the course to teach other people <laughs> how to literally, I've literally gained, I'm not kidding you, I've gained 22 working days a year by getting on top of my email. It's right. utterly bonkers. And one day I'm going to, document this whole process i went through i've literally i've reduced my email by 60 percent which over a lifetime you don't even want to know what that means in terms of for a time that it frees up to do even more admin but or, or write more books or whatever it might be i mean it's, it's it's not just email i was i was interviewing an author yesterday and this was an in-person interview and we're in the same room and he said i apologize i, I must reply to this because he was in a previous meeting and he came to me and he said he had a notification ping up he said, I, I have to reply to this notification. I have to do this right now. And he looked at his phone and he thought, what did she contact me on? Did she, was it WhatsApp? Was it Messenger? Was it email? He was like, you know, because it's not just email anymore. We've been bombarded by oh, this stuff from so, left, right and centre, you know. Yeah, so this, it used to just be a phone. Off. It used just to be a phone ringing, didn't it? Remember those <laughs> days before we had screens? It used to well, be a phone ringing was the one when, or fax coming through. When Claire started out as an actor... Her agent said, get a pager. That's how old we are. She had a pager. So she used to get a pager, say, audition, give me a call. So she'd go, oh, audition, where's a phone? And she'd go to a phone and Run down to the phone box. <laughs> Unbelievable. Have you got 10p? Yeah, I mean, it is, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how our lives have changed. I think yeah. without, oh, I could philosophize about this for hours, but without going into it in too much detail, Occasionally, we just have to press the pause button on our life and go, a lot's changed in the last 20 years. I mean, compared to the 20 years before that and the 20 years before that, like we're living through, I believe, the biggest 
fastest amount of change and it's not slowing down it's like we're on this exponential curve of change and but the thing is when you live it day to day it's like your kids growing up you you don't see them in you don't see them millimeter by millimeter but when auntie walks in the door like oh have you new grown so this is our moment to go oh my gosh like how bonkers is this world that we're living in i mean our biggest challenge today you know um conflict and wars aside and all those is is overload information overload time overload um complexity this is need to simplify our lives that's the bit i feel really strongly i'm drawn yeah, towards well, right someone now. someone is boiling the frog and we're the frog we are the frog <laughs> yeah but we don't we realize it put that on a t-shirt <laughs> but we don't realize it because the whole the whole analogy of the boiling the frog is that if you put if you if you if you turn the temperature up really, really, really slowly, the frog doesn't realize it's being boiled. Yeah. I and mean, that's the whole point. And we don't realize just how insane our lives have become. But I'm going to solve it all for the world, Mike. I've got a big plan. <laughs> I do. Good. I do. I won one of these days when I get time to create, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I've, I've got some crazy big ideas around this idea of um, literally, well, as any- I think, simplifying our lives right if anyone can save the world it's you mr d just get awesome a move i'm on, gonna get a you? t-shirt <laughs> time to save the world time to save the world brilliant stuff now we've got tons more that we want to talk about around this amazing interview with with aj riddle and uh, ag riddle sorry and we've got an extended episode for everyone who supports this podcast all the academy members as well we're going to talk about the learning experience, treating your first book or treating writing generally as a learning experience um, and how that can change how you approach your writing. We're going to talk about the 20 drafts that that Jerry did. And then we're going to have a really, real quite deep dive on understanding what you want as an author, this idea of defining success for you and investing in, in yourself. We're going to talk a little bit about the doubt train, which is one of our favorite quotes from, from the episode. And this whole area of reader response and this idea of filtering, filtering Mm. that feedback, which we love, and then talk about focusing on your passions and how that connects with your authors and your readers. So if you'd like to dive in with Mark and I, please, please, please come and support this podcast. It helps us keep this on the road and you get tons and tons of really great extra food for thought. So pop over to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com or bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash patron to get access to the extended podcast. So Mark, anything happening on the wins and socials front this, uh, this week? This is, it's been, there's some great stuff here. Now, first is, um, first is a bit of a struggle. Okay. So this is Alec Waite on the uh, Academy and he says, I've been struggling a bit over the last two weeks, managed to get some words down, but they weren't coming easy. I have three great characters, three starting points, but after the first 30,000 words, everything ground to a stop. I just wasn't really sure what they, they should be doing. I'm pantsing for the first time. I was hoping they would tell me where they wanted to go. No such luck. So with the help of writing the beta blurb, I sketched out a solid but still flexible story and everything is falling into place. Managed 400 words yesterday, a solid 800 today. Writing the blurb was so much help. Mr. D, the beta blurb, explain what that is for the listeners. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, because a lot of people think a beta blurb, what's that? That's something that we've defined and designed within the Academy as one of the very first things that you need to do. If you've started writing your book, you have to kind of stop writing your book and design your beta blurb. Or if you're if you're about to write your book, writing your beta blurb is the equivalent of imagining what's going to be on the back of your book or on that first paragraph of Amazon 
before you actually really get into the, the meat of your book. In fact, you can do it at any stage if you haven't done it, but we have a whole course on the Academy of, of taking people through the step-by-steps of creating that. And my goodness me, does it give people huge amounts of focus, isn't it? It acts as almost like this benchmark to keep going back to and adapting and changing, but keep going back to whenever you get stuck. It's like, what am I actually writing here? What's the What's the core thing that I'm trying to get through? Very, very good. Uh, yeah. We've got, we got one. The headline here is not a win yet, but I'm going to celebrate. So this is from Karen on the Academy, Karen's story. She said, I've just heard from my agent. The novel that sounds subscription with him has got a response from an editor at a fab publishing house who loves the story so far, still reading. And she was checking if it's still available. It's only a nibble and nothing at all is guaranteed, but I'm celebrating that an editor is enjoying it and I can live in the world of maybe this will happen for a little while. So that's the first bit of good news from Karen. And that's fantastic. That is brilliant but the second bit of good news is my favorite this is brilliant no one else can this is this is so unique second bit of good news today and this one is a win i've been trying to find a shepherd or shepherdess willing to spend time with me for research on my current work in progress my city slicker protagonist spends some time on a sheep farm and ideally want to experience a bit of what he's getting himself into the next email i opened after my agents was a shepherdess offering me some dates in november to spend on the farm with her isn't that you know, wow. talk about defined success. That's, um, <laughs> I love That's it. That's brilliant. absolutely brilliant. Only, Karen, only in a writer's world as well do you get to kind of hang out with bus drivers, shepherdesses, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, surgeons. Like you, you pick, pick, pick your, pick your, you know, choose your own adventure. You get, you can get to find out. And I mean, it's a bit like being an actor, isn't it? Like you think about these people that, like, yeah. you know, doing a role, they spend, you know, spend months working alongside. You get to do that as a writer as well if you get the opportunity. Fantastic. Great stuff. Great stuff. And uh, Kate Baker in the Academy, she says, my NaNoWriMo month is going to be NACO at NO. Okay, which translates (laughs) into National Course Attendance November. While many of you will type words daily it's my intention to spend the month completing all academy courses i've yet to finish or even start so there so good luck with that kate thank you so much that's fantastic i love it <laughs> and finally i mean you, you know we we have listeners maybe tell us that books have been published i actually had a listener thrust a copy of their book into my hand the other day so i thought i've got to plug this so this is from janet groom who uh i think she came to the live show or it might be my book i think it was the live show actually in person and her book the naked knitting club is oh. Oh. now and i think look at that woolly 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 bra and knickers on the cover of that um brilliant so congrats on that janet as well well done great stuff well great great title that brings up it's good as it? <laughs> i bet so, you folks, get i get i bet you get your knitting done fast if you're naked <laughs> right? well there's only one way to find out isn't it look folks if you want to get in, tr- in touch uh, we're on Facebook Bestseller Experiment Twitter and Instagram is at Bestseller XP and if you go to bestsellerexperiment.com there is a contact tab there where you can drop us online so do that Absolutely. right now and if for any reason you missed the extended version of this podcast folks oh you missed a goodie there's a lot of a lot of information and good stuff in there so pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support or join the academy at academy.bestsellerexperiment.com to get all of that extra good stuff and don't mm. forget folks if you would like to get the writing habit of a lifetime and it has changed many many people's lives listening to this podcast go along to the 200 word challenge.com and sign up for free and start your own streak of seven days can you write for 200 200 words a day for seven days and see where that goes absolutely fantastic do try that out and if you would like to send us a note a message go along to the uh, website bestsellerexperiment.com click on the contact us 
button and send us a note. And whilst you're there, click on the newsletter button and join up to our podcast newsletter and get all the upcoming podcasts we're going to be doing, plus everything you'll learn from the existing podcasts we've got out right now. So, Mr. Stay, good luck. You're off to Comic-Con tomorrow is yes, it yes yes time of recording comic-con is tomorrow I'm doing a panel lots of old friend former guests of the podcast i'll be seeing and and listeners of the podcast so i'm really really looking forward to that excellent stuff well i'm sure we'll hear all about that in next week's edition so if you yeah. want to find out how that goes do do tune in but until then folks it's a goodbye from mark one and a goodbye from mark two goodbye, goodbye.